welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is the really busy the super talented <laughs> general khan thanks for coming to the sanctuary today oh thanks for having me it's a pleasure yeah today you know i just want to talk about the album mm. and you know the process of making this thing and how long it has been coming on so so people know you more for the work you do for the community you know for right. mobilizing people right. but i i don't think most people know that you wrote music no they don't they don't know that at all um i started writing music when i was like 11. i feel like it's something that really spoke to me i really wanted to find a way to channel my feelings. I feel like as a young people, we, we, we deal with a lot of stuff and growing up, um, in, in Halifax in with the, like a visibly Muslim family, I was seeing a lot of like, um, racism and Islamophobia at play. And so I was trying to figure out a way to channel my emotions. And so I started writing music and as a kid, you know, my brother, and my sister introduced me to rap growing up and I always loved the rap style um, and really where it came from, which was like expressing, you know, one's experience with oppression. Um, and so that being said, I, I remember like rapping the back of my brother's like first car, you know, being a little kid, like rapping along with what he was listening to. Mm -hmm. Um, and being like, yo, that's so cool. And then when I first started writing, it was it wasn't rap, but um, I always knew that I enjoyed rap. And then it sort of like it progressed to you know freestyling just for giggles, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or um, then I started writing raps more seriously um, in my like late teens, early twenties. Mm -hmm. um, so like from like seventeen, sixteen to 20 years old i started writing like rhymes that were like you know laid out mm. but even then i wasn't writing properly as as people actually write rhymes because i wasn't around people that were like doing music because in my in the muslim community you're basically expected to be three things an engineer a doctor or a lawyer oh. and those are your three choices and i you know i tried to go into sciences it wasn't my thing I went into arts and I did social sciences and I was really into like learning about history and oppression and, and how to dismantle that. Um, and then it wasn't until like finding more people who are in the music scene who are like willing to mentor me that I was able to really work on work on like the way I was writing and, mm. and make it more um more nuanced and more concise as a rap so that I was actually writing full bars and not missing syllables. Mm. Um, and so I had been writing for a while, but I kept that to myself. I, I felt like just because of the organizing work that I was doing that, you know, maybe the people um, like the alt-right and folks like that who uh, do not like me would take my art away from me. And I was scared that maybe they would take this one thing that allowed me to get away from all that violence. And, and so I, I was keeping it to myself and there was friends of mine, like, you know, Caleb Warden and Nivi Singh who are like, Masuma, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. We see you. We recognize you as an artist. Like we see you as a rapper. Like that's how we view you. So like, you need to go do this thing. Mm 
And then I started getting more serious and writing more and taking the time to write more. So I started writing every day, Wow. Um, you know, trying to get everything out. And then, um, you know, sometimes because like, I do spoken word, too. Right. So mm-hmm. I would do my spoken word, but, you know, I'd still be writing my my bars, my raps and just keeping it to myself because like I didn't have access to beats. I didn't have access to the studio. I had never been recorded. I don't know anything and like in the in the community i'm from like you know i could say a lot of people are not happy that i'm following my dreams because um they don't want to see muslim women really doing this kind of thing or like expressing themselves in this way Mm -hmm. and i think uh it's important that muslim women have agency to do as they want and as they please so that they can follow their dreams. And if music is your dream, you should follow that. And so it took me so long to be able to be like, yes, I can do this. And I was scared because of so many of the things that my community would say. I was scared to like, you know, tell my mom like, yo, I I really want to do music. Like, I really want to pursue this thing that's been a dream of mine, you know? Mm. And I was apprehensive about how she would react, but she was actually really supportive about it. And so was my dad. so it was nice to have that kind of support and be like, okay, like I'm the first one in the city. And really from what I've seen across Canada, really engaging in this, there's no one that looks like me that's really doing this work that I've seen. If they're out there, like holler back, like do something, but like, (laughs) I haven't seen anyone. And, and my rap is kind of different. Like, you know, mine, my rap is, is meaningful. It's thoughtful. I'm talking about really big concepts. It's kind of like, um, you know, an intersection of my passion and organizing and who I am as a person and like my, my love for music coming together Mm. and hoping to, to bring more to the table. Um, Because like, of course I have some like chill music and like, yo, I'm so fresh. Like, you know, I like my song, like Three Stripes. Like Three Stripes. I was going to yeah, talk about that one. But yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. get into it later. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's where it really started from. Music has been a dream of mine since I was a kid. But unfortunately, I was around a lot of people who put that down. And I'm happy to say that, you know, I'm, I'm following that now. So it's mm. never too late to make your dreams come true. <laughs> you know, no, I too, I totally agree on the never too late part. Um, I want to go back. You know, you mentioned that you'd been your brother at, in the backseat of your brother's car rapping along. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the songs you were listening to then? Oh, um, I was the hip hop, the hippie to the hip to the hip hip hop. You don't stop. <laughs> and then it was like Slick Rick, Lottie Dottie. We likes to party. We don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. Where just the men that's on the mic and so like those kind of he was listening to really like og rap right mm. and so like uh you know bed um i think it's called bedtime story with slick rick um i love that because the, he did so many different voices and like it's beatboxing and so when i was a kid i used to try beatbox i wasn't great at it but i would try because i just liked it right yeah um and so it was things like that and of course like at that time when i was younger like i was born in the mid 90s so um 
early 2000s like rap with talking about ludicrous 50 cent like all these like really cool kind of sounds coming out and also like listening to to late 90s stuff too right so i had been listening to biggie i had been listening to Pac. i had been listening to all these like really important um music styles and like ogs of rap and mm. and then like seeing that shift into the early 2000s is like one of my favorite kind of musical periods the late 90s and early 2000s definitely have a soft spot for me because mm. like dipset like oh boy like those kinds of things like i i love those kinds of beats and so for me specifically it was like east coast rap that really spoke to me like mm -hmm. west coast is good but it was really east coast rap that really uh piqued my interest because that boom bappy like that freshness um that like grungy kind of sound but like also just getting into it like i liked that and i liked mm -hmm. because i feel like as as a youth i had i was angry about what was happening around me Mm -hmm. and and i felt like rap was a way to channel that anger in a healthy way to put those feelings down instead of um you know uh pushing them onto other people you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i was happy about those things and those kind of like even now when i listen to that music it really grounds me and makes me feel good you know mm. you know something uh, as you were just talking something came to mind uh, i was having a discussion with my friend some time back and I was wearing, uh, I don't know, some, like, maybe Star Wars or whatever. Right. Oh, no, no, no. I remember. I was wearing a Beatles t-shirt. It was right. John Lennon and there was a lyric. And I don't know this song, right? Yeah. So my friend was singing along to this song and, and, and they were surprised that I wasn't reacting to them singing along. Right. Like, wait, I'm singing what's on your t-shirt. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then they mentioned something that, like I'm super old and I've never experienced this before. Um, no, really, really. Okay, so, okay. So, like, you know, they identify as female, and right. they're like, so like you've never had someone ask you to prove that you understand what's on your T-shirt. I'm like, yeah. what? And like yeah. I didn't know this at all. So like, if you're female and you're wearing like say like a Star Wars T-shirt or yeah. like. A, you kind of have to be like, people be like, no, you're fake. You are yep. like, I'm like, what? And then, um, you know, so they sent me this TikTok video of this lady that, you know, was like mentioning Metallica or some band. And then people were like, oh no, you don't know these people. So, and then they, you know, she had to like play the, the song. Right. Like, like, Holy shit. Yeah. And anyway, what what made this come to mind was you were mentioning these names of people that like, and I'm like, oh man, you know, you actually know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. And then there are people that are gonna be like, oh wait, she's doing hip hop. What does she know? I'm like, right. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's the thing too, and that kind of thought gets in your head because it makes you feel like, oh, what do I know? And that that whole time, like, that's kind of you know been been a barrier to me because I constantly have to explain myself. I constantly, you know, I did hip hop karaoke a few years ago. It was like the first time I rapped in public and people were not expecting. And I did a Biggie song, One More Chance, the original. And it's a very dirty song. It's a very dirty <laughs> yes, song. Yes, it is. It, it, and so when I was doing it, um, they were just kind of like, what? she knows how to like keep his flow and like mm. say these words and do this thing and it's like yo i i love biggie's flow no one no one can be like biggie 
And then when I did that thing, everyone was like, oh, yeah, she's like the hijabi biggie. She's a hijabi biggie. And then I started feeling like I'm not trying to, like, take Biggie's flow and from the grave and resurrect it. Like, I'm not trying to be Biggie. I'm trying to be myself. He's an mm. influence of mine. But I'm not trying to, like, Missy Elliott's an influence of mine. Lauren Hill's an influence of mine. But I'm not trying to be them. I'm trying to be myself, right? Mm. And so, like, that's what I see really in in the rap scene in Halifax uh, with a lot of these new folks coming in. And I'm new myself, so maybe I'm talking crap, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I'll say it like it is. Everyone's trying to mimic this sound instead of actually tuning into their own sound. And it's mm. not sustainable. Like, no one's... No one's going to come to you being like, I want to listen to someone who's like Biggie. <laughs> yeah, like, you just listen to Biggie. No one's yeah. going to come to you and be like, oh, I want to listen to someone who's like Pac. No, mm. they would just listen to Pac, right? Mm. So, like, that's when I, I had this realization. It's like, I don't want people to know me as Hijabi Biggie. Yeah, I can mimic Biggie really well and do the pauses and the uhs and the uh. But, like... I want to be myself and I want people to know me for my own voice too. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's those influences that are naturally in there, but mm -hmm. definitely having to prove myself and like getting comments like, Oh, your writing has gotten so much better from like people. And there's so much shade in this like community, especially from the dudes and like the rap scene in my experience. Um, they're like gatekeeping. And when they see someone come up with more energy and like someone who's new, who's like, um, you know, bringing something else to the table, they try and co-opt that. And I'm not mm. for that, honestly. I've I've learned a lot in this past year. And I just like I I've I've learned through this process to have so much more respect for myself and my art because like no one can take that away from me. No one can take my words away from me, right? That my mm. words, my music is power and and that's mine to keep. And no one can take that. So um yeah, it's been really hard and like Feeling like you have to prove something when you already when you already have everything you need to prove within you is really difficult to navigate because like first I'm a Muslim woman and then I'm a woman and I'm a racialized woman and I'm a disabled woman and I'm a woman who does all this work. So they just think like, oh, she's just trying to like come in here, swoop up, take our scene. I'm not trying to take no one's scene. I'm just trying to create my own scene and be part of what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. widen the conversation i'm not talking about women and this and that and that's not my steez i'm talking about like what's actually affecting our community and like my genre of rap is its own thing you know mm -hmm. i call it conscious rap because it's conscious and it's also a pun on con you know what mm -hmm. i mean so like that's where i'm thinking my stuff is coming from so you know i'm staying in my lane People should say it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and it was like, I never experienced that. Like, well, the t-shirt I'm wearing now is like an anime. I've never seen it. Nobody's yeah. ever going to be like, hey, do you know My Hero Academia? I'm like, eh, I don't know. I yeah. just wore the t-shirt because I like it. I right. like, you know, so when when they made our comment, I was like, holy smokes. Like, I've never so, even thought of it. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the wrath of Khan, right? Okay. And it's been pretty much like a year in the making because we talked mm -hmm. like almost a year ago. And you're almost. like, oh, because then you just got your um residency and see yeah. that. Let's start with that. Uh, what you know, most CFAD is like center for art tapes, and yeah. people would expect like film or like art or right. like an installation. And you're like, no, mm -hmm. no, no, my residency is going to be me making this album. Why yeah. did you try to, uh, why did you put that as your application, and how was the whole process of getting to be chosen as the uh CFAD artist in residence? Honestly, it was nerve wracking because like I didn't have any like portfolio. <laughs> just like 
this is something I want to do. I have all these barriers. I don't have any resources. I really want to get this done. I'm not mm -hmm. sure how I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, at that time, too, I had people who are within, like, um, the rap scene in Halifax, like, Ambies and uh, DJ Uncle Fester, like, being, like, D uh, Fester threw me a beat. And Ambies was kind enough to be, like, here's some beats. Pick them. Like, choose what you want. Because, like, like in his in his point of view, like, supporting, like, women coming into rap is, like, a duty of all the dudes who are part of the rap scene, right? And so I'm thankful for that because at least he was willing to take a chance on me and give me beats that, like, he worked so hard on. And so I had, was sitting on all these beats and I had written about half or more than half of the project. And I was like, I need a studio because I need to focus on this. I don't have a space to write. I can't just write in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I need to learn these skills. I want to learn about producing. I want to learn about all these like technical skills. There's a lot of stuff that goes into making an album. Plus, I need funding to make the album. Mm -hmm. Like all these pieces that were really important. And so, um, you know, I heard about it. I heard about the residency and a friend of mine told me to apply. And I was like, uh, they were like, just put your hat, just, just do it, just, just do it and try. Yeah. So I, I did it. I did my best. You know, I, I, I tried to do my best. I tried to like make myself sound like, you know, the real deal. But I was like <laughs> crapping my pants, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, I hope I get this. I hope I get this. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I went in and they're like, okay, you know, we have, we accept your uh, application. You have one more part of this process. Like it's a video interview. And I did that. And then I got word back that I got it. And I was just so. Was it like a call or, or email? For what? That, that you were chosen. I think it was an email. Mm-hmm. I believe it was an email that I got. It's like, congratulations. And then I got a call from CFAP being like, yo, welcome to the team. And like, <laughs> we'll give you the keys and all this stuff. And like, CFAP was so supportive. Like, you know, I could book a space there if I needed anything. They hooked me up with like getting um, production classes. Like I was able to get like, at the same time, I was really trying to work on my craft. So I was taking singing classes. I was taking production classes. Like, I was trying to use the money that they were giving me to really invest in my project. Mm. And so like I did all these things and I was able to do my singing classes in the studio. I was able to do those production classes. I was able to have a place to write, have a place to really sit and think and like put all my thoughts together. And then I was also like recording at Ambies' studio, mm. Discreet Era and Festers. And so it gave me a lot. Like I was working on my, on my craft a lot because like, I had never been recorded and so mm -hmm. it was tough for me to like get into this and like so many people have years on me like years so so much experience they've been doing this since they were like 18 and I wish that was my experience but you know mm -hmm. I I'm a quick learner so I just like threw myself into it and hustled and mm -hmm. like I tried to get my project out by March it didn't work and you know I had to have a tough conversation like with MBs and he was like, you know, the reality is, is like, you shouldn't rush your work and rushing it is not going to be, it's not going to do your work justice. Like you want it to be good. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's take the time, like, you know, get it mixed proper, get it, get it um, mastered properly so that, you know, you actually are giving your audience uh, quality because you do have an audience and you have people who want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I took that advice and you know, it's coming out April 30th and, uh, I I feel many different kind of ways about it. I feel nervous and excited and and weird and and happy and and just all those like it's you know it's an end but it's a new beginning and and it's you know so many new opportunities and I'm I'm excited to see what people think of it. So what did you think about the 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 little snippets I sent you? Uh I love them, and but like <laughs> I, I guess you know, I I want to save my comments on them okay. for a bit. Like you were working on your album during the pandemic, so yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't <laughs> record for a while because yeah. because of the pandemic, and that's why I was really stressed. And so, like, I had started writing my album February twenty twenty. So mm. right before the pandemic hit, I was I was like, that's it. I'm writing it. I got my first beat for Three Stripes at that time. Oh. And, and, yeah, well, that was the one that I really, really like, though. Yeah. I mean, I like the three cents, but Three Stripes, I figured that was the title. The other two, yeah. I was going to talk about them. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when I got that song, that's produced by Fester. And so when I got that beat, I, I felt so anxious. I was like, oh, my God, it's such a dope beat. I have to write it so nice because it's fester. And it's fester. Oh, my God. I have to, I can't, like, <laughs> let him down. And so, like, I was really nervous about that. Um, mm. And and so I wrote it. And I nixed it. And I wrote it again. And I nixed it. And I wrote it again. And I nixed it. And so, like, fester didn't start, like, recording, like, no one could come into his studio until like the summer, like late summer. So I just took that time to write exactly what I needed to. And I memorized the crap out of that song so that <laughs> when I went into Fester's, it didn't take longer than like 30 minutes in out. It was done <laughs> because I was like, I, I had recorded with Fester earlier when I first started and I, it took me so long and I was so tired. I didn't understand how tiring the recording process was. And it's because I wasn't prepared because I didn't know. I thought that I would just like naturally be able to spit, but all this anxiety kicked in. And then I was worried about all this other stuff. And I'm mm -hmm. looking at my phone and I have half of my rap memorized. And mm -hmm. the reality is, is you have to go in with the full thing memorized. You can be off a little and have your like lyrics as a reference, but you need the full thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and so when when Fester was like, he, I'm, my studio's open, I was like, I'm booking you right now. <laughs> I'm in. It's done. Like, that's it. And so I got that done. And then once once things started opening up and restrictions lessened, I was able to record with MBs. And, you know, we tried to do it like Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays to like have time to record because the majority of my album was was at at his studio because most of the beats were from him mm. so we were just like trying to focus on like okay if sundays don't work then we'll make mondays so just like we had a schedule and mm -hmm. so if things were a little heavy on me i could like you know be like okay not this week next week mm -hmm. um and so that was that was nice and honestly i'm very thankful for for what the kind of space that ambies gave me because like he allowed me to try a lot of things and not feel weird about it because it's hard when you're first coming into it. You kind of feel like, you know, you have to prove yourself to all these people. And he's been in the in the rap scene for a minute and he's mm. an amazing rapper. He's so talented and beat maker. So 
I was just like, okay, like it was really nice to have like a supportive environment or like that where he was like, no, you're doing great. Like maybe you should try do this, try do this. Okay, like it's not there yet. Like you know, you got it's not that wasn't the take. Like you know, he was like talking me through it, and it really helped me. And like Fester did the same thing with uh, three stripes. So mm-hmm. all in all, it was good, but it was difficult because the pandemic like. Mm-hmm. I had nothing else to do other than like work was so hard for me. I'm not good at working like online and doing this kind of stuff. Um, and so maybe I'm a little old school in that way too. I, I have to do like the paper writing, <laughs> like that's the kind of person I am. Um, and so I did that and it allowed me to, to write and focus on the writing that I needed to do. And mm-hmm. also with all the organizing that was happening during the pandemic, Mm-hmm. It influenced my music because I was writing about how I was feeling at that time when the Black Lives Matter movement really popped off in the summer with the death of uh, George Floyd, God rest his soul, um, and give him justice. Like, you, you know, there's so many things happening in our community. And and just like, you know, the album is about many things. It's about oppression. It's about racism, white supremacy, tackling those things. It's about my relationship with God. It's about um my community it's for my community it's about feeling displaced like you know i'm a displaced afghan person i was born and raised here um in migmagi but like i'm this is not where i'm from so you know dealing with all that stuff and want, wanting this place that's home mm. and and feeling like you know the lack of identity the loss of language all these things and like not seeing yourself represented and kind of feeling really alone um, and also like feeling love and community too, and you know feeling fresh to death and like you know uh, an Adidas tracksuit is also part of it. Like, it's not one thing. You know, Wrath of Khan is like, it's not just about anger and and all that. It's about resilience and liberation and me finding mm. my way through a really tough spot and navigating that through art and and through passion. Mm. You know, one thing. I mean. Thinking, you don't like doing easy things, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the complete opposite. Give me the easiest thing. Like once oh. it's hard, I just scribble. <laughs> but that's one thing I love and I find inspired about you. You don't do the easy thing because, like now, all most artists just come out with one record and then. Three months later, they'll come up with another record, and then they'll have these two records that are hard or whatever, and they'll just focus on those two records till right. okay you know it's done but you're like i'm not just going to introduce who i am to the world that i actually have this set of skills or yeah. or share my art with the world with one song <laughs> i want to come out with an album right yeah. so you know so and the thing about an album to me you know it doesn't have to be a, a concept album right like it's this whole big brown spherical thing i look at it and it has different components that are different but they still have to be together so like all the songs in a way have to match have to connect you have to be like this string that's going from track one to i think you have 10 tracks on your on your album yeah i do and you're like okay wait I'm gonna do this thing and I'm gonna use it as my residency. Is it like was it scary at all? Oh yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> Very scary. Very scary. I had never done this before. What, what? I don't I don't know. Like I it was very scary. 
<laughs> it was very scary. And 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 I was told like if you're not scared, you're not doing it for the right reasons, mm. right? If you don't feel that, if you're just doing like, oh yeah, I'm I'm everything, like <laughs> yo, it's gonna be great. Like you're not doing it for the right reasons, you have too much ego. <laughs> and I've never been that kind of person to be like, mm. I'm I, you know, I'm everything, like mm. no one can be better than me. That's not my seed. I'm not trying <laughs> to be better than anybody. I'm just trying to be myself. Yeah. And and something I realized too with an album was because like everyone was telling me, no, do an EP, do an EP. Mm. And I was like, I was like, no, mm. there's no, I don't have a catalog. And I've I've waited so long to get to this point. I'm going to go, and my album is nine tracks and one outro where yeah. I talk about the album. And and so the nine tracks, like, I was like, I need to give my audience nine songs so that they know what I can do. And this mm-hmm. is the beginning of my journey, and my sound will change, and my mm-hmm. writing will change, but I I want to document where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of what I've done. Like, there's, there's uh, I sent you a, a clip of a song where I'm singing in the chorus, and people mm-hmm. can't believe that it's me singing. So it's like it, there's there's lots of what I've done and like you know the album is like a full picture of of my experience in that time frame. Mm. And and so it's it's trying to showcase who I am and all those things and it's it's really scary. I I I don't want to like go about it like yeah, I knew everything what I was doing and everything was easy like there was times where I was like, oh my God, like I just, I don't want, I can't do this. And yeah. I was like, I have a residency. What am I going to do? Mm. Like I, I, I told folks I would finish this and CFAT mm. was so sweet. They're like, we understand like art's hard. Like you're doing your thing. If you don't get it finished, like, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, I'm finishing it. Like, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm hard on myself. Mm-hmm. right so and i expect a lot from myself because i don't have high expectations for other people so i expect a lot from myself and so like i was like no i'm i'm doing this i'm putting my heart into this and i'm gonna i'm gonna get it done and you know alhamdulillah like God, i'm so thankful that you know when i put my mind towards something it, it comes together it comes to fruition and mm-hmm. so I'm i'm happy that this has come to fruition and this is like it's it's like less than two weeks. It's gonna be out. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So, yeah. so, so, um, you know. Oh, during your residency, you also did a talk. Do you want to talk about your talk? Yeah, I did an artist talk. So it was like the last week of my residency, and I showcased three of the songs, the clip, it, the clips that I sent you. Um, I played. We played the whole thing, and and uh, Dina Williams from Vitamin D Entertainment who's a friend of mine and, and, and a sister and just so amazing. Dina is awesome. Yeah. Dina is awesome. And you know, when I first started coming into like, like I want to do this rap thing, she was so supportive and she was like, yeah, you know, you should do it. But like, you know, and, and she like really, we had really good conversations about art. And so me and Dina, like, you know, we're friends uh, and, you know, I really love her to death. And so I asked her to, to, interview me essentially um and it was a great talk and she asked me so many great questions about the album and i felt like it was a way to introduce people to the album so i was so happy that c5 gave me that opportunity mm-hmm. um and yeah it was nice i got a lot of good feedback from the people who did tune in and watch it um because uh, i guess that was their first time hearing my music and they were like wow like <laughs> i wasn't expecting that from you at all 
Um, and I guess like that's the thing about expectations, right? I mean, like people weren't expecting me to be good or like for it to like slap, but it does. So like whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and like you already had the title of the album, even while you were, you know, applying and stuff. Yeah. Um, is this something like that title, something that you just had at the back of your mind or something you do? Well, it's it's point? a few things. It's a few things. So the Wrath of Khan is a Star Trek movie about in the in I don't know if you know this about in movies in general, but people named Khan are always the villain. And my last name is Khan. Um, and my rap name is General Khan. And so I called this Wrath of Khan because I, to like not give it the same name as that Star Trek movie, but also to be like, you know, my wrath isn't just anger it's also love and love for myself and resilience and liberation all this stuff because like i'm tired of seeing people with my name be showcased as these angry uncivilized like barbaric people who just want revenge like mm. it's not about revenge for me and when you come to the end of the album you'll see that um that it's not about revenge it's about a, a larger picture and like even in disney the way that they um showcase Shere Khan like it's always like it's always negative someone with the name Khan is always negative and I growing up that was really hard for me because I'm so proud of my last name mm -hmm. um and I'm proud of my ancestors and where I've come from and and so that for me was a way to take that back and be like no you can't tell me what our wrath is I'm going to tell you what my wrath is and I'm going to mm -hmm. show you and you're going to listen um, and so that's kind of where the name com came from because yes, I'm angry, but I'm also happy, sad, all these things. Like I'm a human being. I'm not just one emotion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I thought it was important to take that, to take that title back and to change the, the way that people really view, uh, the wrath of Khan or wrath of Khan or just cons in general, because, you know, we're not just this like monolith of people who are just like these angry like warriors who want to like fight and like kill you like we're we're human beings who bleed too and we have a lot of heart and courage in our hearts and mm -hmm. and people in my tribe that's what we're known for so that's what i wanted to bring back you know yeah yeah um you know i i, I love the title i yeah. love you know so but now giving this backstory just even makes it more powerful yeah but before we we're just gonna sidetrack a bit because a couple of weeks ago you put up this post on your instagram about this new tv show um it's about this guy he was like uh massive al yeah yeah that that um yeah. why did you feel that was important for you to talk about because um you know, as an Afghan person, I find that either the world sees us as terrorists or people who need saving. And we're only those two things. We're either evil people or people you need to go save. And, and you know, as someone who's, who's seen, like, you know, who, who hasn't been, you know, firsthand in person seeing the impacts of war, I do have survivor's guilt for not being in my land and seeing my people deal with that and for me it was like i watched the show and i cringed and it made me feel sick because you know all these you know the way i see u.s imperialism and and the way that the war in afghanistan went down was they were trying to justify and say that they needed to save all these afghan women um 
because of how terrible our men treat us. And it's true. There's patriarchy. It exists everywhere in the world. Women are treated like crap everywhere, not just Afghanistan, but everywhere. And to see that kind of justification for a 20-year war where our resources were stolen, where every day, you know, uh, there's children getting hurt. Millions of people have been hurt. So many people have died, displaced. My country is a mess. And I'm here, safe. And this show, you know, it's, it's created not by Afghans. And they're using Afghans and lower levels of production to share this Afghan story, which is basically just fitting, you know, American propaganda. My worry is that it's going to inspire a new generation of Americans to say, hey, let's go save Afghanistan. And now, you know, we have this news that Biden's pulling out of Afghanistan by September 11th. And that date makes me feel weird because I don't know if you know this, but, you know, when 9-11 happened, there was not one Afghan that was part of that. There was not one Afghan that was part of that. But they used 9-11 to justify them invading us and hurting my people. And so that being said, they're saying that Biden's pulling out, but that's not really what's happening. And, and, and that's important to say, too. What's happening is the American troops are being pulled out, but they are still allowing them to like have they're privatizing the war. So they're making the Afghans contract them and pay them to be there instead of them doing this for for saving us and, and that kind of thing. So they're changing it so that they can profit off of killing us more. And America's economy is basically war driven, you know, so their economy is run off of war. That's how they stimulate their economy which is really sad to say. And it's historically, it's proven. It's, 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 it's a fact. So for me, I thought it was really important to say, and it's not only me, a, a, a lot of Afghan comrades I have and know and love also feel that way. And, you know, I was having a lot of conversations because I just, I can't take people viewing us like this anymore. It's been too long. Um, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of people speaking for us, telling our stories, telling us we need saviors, telling us like, you know, just like it's there's so many things wrong with this script and in that post like i i really outline like all the ways that it's racist all the ways that it reinforces colonialism all the ways that it it allows america to you know propagate that the war in afghanistan was a, was a positive thing there was nothing positive about it we didn't need any saviors you know a lot of people don't talk about this but the usa you know they literally created the taliban and funded it and now then after the Soviet war, they were like, oh, my God, we trained all these Afghans with arms. Now what are we going to do? They took control of their country and they literally created this. And then they were like, you know what? We're going to invade them. So it's like they just cause problem after problem for us. And I was just like, I can't stay quiet. I don't care if, you know, the Afghans that are part of the show are going to crap on me or whatever. I'm not even trying to, like, get at them because I feel sorry for them that they that they w would sell out their own people for a paycheck like this it, it boggles my mind and the main character isn't even played by an afghan like that that's very clear to me that if you you know did auditions with they said at least 100 afghans and not one of them not one of them wanted to actually play this character there must have been something in that script that told them oh i can't do this because you know my people are going to I can't, we've been showcased enough as being like, either we're, we're stupid people who need saving, who can't do anything for ourselves, or we're terrorists. Like, which is it? We're not one thing or the other. We're complex people. Again, like, 
Afghans are monoliths. No racialized person is. A, no people are monoliths. People are complex people with complex histories. Mm-hmm. And so are Afghans. There's over there's so many tribes in my land, so many histories, so many people that have come together. Um, and so, like, it, it's it's hard to to see that happen. And, you know, the the show makes jokes about the war in Afghanistan. And there's nothing funny to me about war. And so it really upset me. And so that's why I had to do what I had to do. And, you know, I'm still trying to do stuff about that show. You know, there's a petition, to, you know, uh, get it shut down. But, you know, the reality is, is millions of people are watching the show and it makes me feel sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's his name? That guy. He has another show where, like, what Chuck War. Yeah, him. Yeah, like he's he's at the Big stage. Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at this stage where he he whatever he does will get greenlit. Like, it yeah, doesn't matter. Whatever he does, there's a show called Bimbo and something. It's about yeah. this Nigerian lady that's in the U.S. and it's so it's just a caricature. And like when I saw United States of Arms, like oh, it's like kind of replacing the black nurse lady with this Afghan in, in, yeah. uh, translator and it's pretty much the same show. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Uh, so let's talk about the artwork of Rato Khan. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Kiki is a super talented artist. So uh, talented. Did you guys have a discussion about what you wanted for the cover? I mean, uh, if you look at the Rato Khan, the Star Trek cover of the original movie um i showed kiki that i was like something like that kiki something (laughs) like that but me and he was like okay so he he drafted something and so he drew the image of me and then i was like i was looking at it and i was like oh like you know add this thing and he he like put armor on the side of me with an adidas emblem in it like there's little details like throughout throughout the throughout the thing and on the megaphone that i'm holding it says azadi which means liberation or freedom in in my language so you know you know using our voice for freedom is is what i'm pointing to and you know the the patterns on my clothing are are similar of that of like in afghanistan of what we wear for women and so there's lots of pieces that are coming together and then you know so he drew that and then ghetto socks did the did the layout of it so the like cop car that's behind and the sunset and the kind of like fiery muskiness socks did that part. Mm-hmm. And so like, because I, I do talk about those, those things and police and like, I'm talking about like the ways in which oppression happens and racism and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really like, you know, socks, socks and I had a conversation. He was like, go, go to Kiki. He's going to give you the best quality work. So I went to Kiki. Kiki did give me the best quality work. He did it in two days. He didn't sleep. He did got it done. Like the guy's like, that's my brother right there, right? Yeah. And so he lo- like it's a mutual love right there for each other. And so I was like, Kiki, I want to pay you for this. So, you know, did that. And then Socks was like, Yeah, happy to do the layout for you. And he's known uh, he's known for doing that for a few folks in the rap scene because he's also like a graphic designer, an amazing artist. Mm. So he did that part. And yeah, when it came together, I was like, whoa. And then on the, <laughs> no, on the no, back, yeah, yeah, it looks fire. It on looks the fire. back, <laughs> on the back too, is like the track list, right? And then right. Uh, my image is kind of a blackened out. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, it has like a Pashto quote 
on the box is like, you know, I wandered heaven's gardens and I never found a rose as beautiful as you. Like, that's one of my favorite quotes from my language. It's like, uh, um, yeah. So it's just like so many things in it. And, and it's just like, I'm just happy. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I could never, I didn't imagine this would come together, <laughs> but no, I'm happy. Amazing. Yeah. Thank okay. you. <laughs> so let's dive into the songs, right? Yeah. So you send me these clips. I'm listening. I'm like, holy smokes, man! This yeah. is this is hot, hot, hot. Yeah. These stripes um stood out for me. Like, uh, how important is um Adidas to you? Like, I I am an avid Adidas person, and I think it's um it's uh, I say this. It came from the first time I saw an Adidas tracksuit. Um, when I was a kid, I was watching this 80s cult classic film. It's called The Last Dragon. And oh, it's a... I know okay. that film, though. Yeah, it's one of my Show favorite. Enough. Yes, it's <laughs> one of my favorite films. And in my family, we like we I grew up watching that with my siblings and my cousins. And we all watched it like every week we'd watch this movie. <laughs> and so the first time I, I recognized an Adidas uh, tracksuit was there's this guy who walks in he tries to take on Shonoff in the movie theater and he's wearing an all black tracksuit with the red lines uh through the red three stripes and i was like whoa that looks cool and the first pair of nice sneakers i got my dad to buy me i was like you have to buy me adidas and he bought me a pair of adidas and so i went on from there and then i started like every time i would see an adidas thing i just noticed that i liked it it fit my style I could wear it with different things. You know, I could mix and match. I could do lots of stuff. And I I felt confident. And that was something growing up, like, I had a hard time feeling confident as, like, a visibly Muslim, like, youth. Because I started wearing hijab when I was 13. And I had a hard time feeling confident because I felt like a lot of people viewed me as, like, this oppressed woman who couldn't speak English or... You know, I was 13 years old. They were saying I was 20. Like, the bus drivers would fight me on paying child fare. Like, when I would go in, they made me show my ID. Things like that. Mm. And so, like, when I started really getting into um, styling myself, I just realized how much I I had always loved Adidas. And so, Mm. in university, I was known as, like, the hijabi that was wearing Adidas around. Like, I was always in a tracksuit. Always a black and white tracksuit. And... Mm -hmm. So that really, that really stuck with me. And I, you know, I've had a Adidas blazer from when I was, I think six, not blazer. It's a, it's a bomber from when I was 16 and it still is in good quality. So for me, it's 10 years, 10 years old and clothing doesn't last me like that. No clothing lasts me like that. So I'm like, okay, it's good quality. It's a price. I like the style. Mm-hmm. And I just started collecting. After that, I noticed like that that was my thing, and I started collecting, 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 collecting. The only Nike stuff I have has been gifted to me. <laughs> I've, I've never bought it. I've never bought it. Um, and I, I barely wear that stuff too <laughs> because I prefer to wear the three stripes because it just, you know, I don't really dress very feminine or very masculine. I'm kind of in between, and I feel like Adidas gives me that that nuance that like allowing me to like wear baggy clothes but like feel fly and feel nice and feel fresh and like mm. just feel good and i love the vintage stuff too so you know i i um i like always connect with like you know 
uh, different thrift shops to like check if they have like vintage Adidas stuff because that's my steez right there, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been collecting for a while. It just feels so great in in Adidas clothing, and I love it. Um, Did all that experience make it easy writing the Three Stripes song? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it it went. I don't. You know, you can kind of feel how I feel when I wear Adidas. Like the "Don't mess with me." I look too good <laughs> for you to mess with me. Type of deal. Like, don't talk to me when I'm in my Three Stripes. Like, yeah, kind of like my armor. You know, mm. it's something that I wear mm. that protects me and protects my energy. Like. <laughs> and always, you know, when I would go to shows or something like that, there always be these, you know, these women coming up to me being like, oh, your Adidas looks so nice. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm wearing a matching suit. Like, it's not that hard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just Adidas. Like, mm -hmm. it's, and, and I love streetwear. So, um, and they have such a big legacy in rap, right? With yeah, Run DMC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Missy Elliott. Like, there's so much Adidas in rap and Adidas references. And so, mm -hmm. for me, like, that that also, like, played a big influence in my life, too, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, my parents have, like, a Run DMC record. Like, we, oh, nice. like, we weren't listening to Run DMC, but they were. <laughs> they have a Run DMC, like, 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 uh, album, like, an actual um, record. Mm. so um like that kind of stuff so for me i you when i was a kid i saw them in in the adidas and i was like i put i just put a lot together yeah. and it's just like honestly israel it's how i feel when i'm in it like i feel like my best self i feel so mm. confident and like i could take on the world when i'm wearing <laughs> when i'm wearing the three stripes and i'm just hoping they sponsor me you know what i mean like <laughs> they need That'll to sponsor dope, me <laughs> like, that song that song is really good thank you uh, you know um the way it starts you're flowing in i'm like yeah. oh man i want the full thing because you know i just got the clip yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah. like i can't wait for the thing I've oh the music the video is dropping on the 30th too for three oh, stripes yeah. okay that, yeah. that's dope that is dope i can't wait you know like um i like that you made it super easy there's a link right on your instagram yeah um at i am general can and people can just go straight up uh pre-save the album right. okay so now it's done mm -hmm. uh it comes out and yeah. i'm gonna make this my last question okay um what are some plans you have like okay first though actually i'm gonna make it two in one what are some okay. hopes you have when the album is out and yeah. then what are some plans you have after that okay my hopes are that people like the album they pre-save it they buy it on Bandcamp. um and what i'm doing after is i have two more music videos that i'm working on um nice. one is uh for a song called garam chai which means hot tea um and i sing that chorus and that's a clip that i sent you oh that's um, almost really yeah okay. yeah and then the third song is uh i th i think it's still gonna be uh the last dragon which is a song that i wrote as an ode to my favorite movie um <laughs> and so um those are the two music are videos you, are you that gonna I have. have are you gonna have a scene in the video where you do the many hands yeah <laughs> you know that As i'm waiting for that like i mean it's the last dragon man. i know <laughs> you know what like there are, many, there are a few things in my life where i remember the very first moment yeah. i remember the very first moment i watched that film i woke up from a nap and i'm like everyone is in the living room transfixed to this tv so i'm like yeah what are they watching and then i sat down i'm like 
this is mind blowing, right? Yeah. I yeah. think it's like you see someone, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand it, but yeah. there is this thing about seeing someone that looks like you mm-hmm. doing something cool. It's like it gives you this impression now wait you know what i can do it too right so, that's so- why i took kung fu class israel <laughs> i used to be kung fu i still have my kung fu suit you know what i mean nice, like nice, i was nice. into kung fu because yeah. of this movie right you know and right. bruce lee of course that's right. what i mean like um so those are those are the things yeah it's it's a the last dragon best movie out there my favorite movie <laughs> the world. Uh, i so <laughs> like so those are the two music videos that i yeah. we have to do i'm doing them with dead dog films so mm-hmm. I, I i did three i'm doing three music videos with them okay. um because i got a grant from music nova scotia nice. um which they do these bipoc grants so i applied and i'm lucky i got it alhamdulillah so I, I put it towards like again my album and promoting my album and so mm. that's gonna come out and and then I'm gonna do a physical release of my album as well and then I have a single that I'm gonna be dropping I'm working on um, with uh, Calvin Mansuray who uh, plays the violin and oh. um, it's a it's a more sadder kind of song that's a mm. little bit more intimate about some experiences but you know i'm i'm excited to do that and yeah i'm just gonna be promoting my album for the next few months and then after that i'm gonna start doing coming out with singles and providing more and more and more and then you know hopefully in in a year in a year or so maybe i'll have another maybe an ep or another album i'm just i'm just excited to keep going you know i'm not gonna stop yeah no 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 (laughs) that that like i mean like i said um <clears throat> the the cover art is great yeah. the you know just the flow the yeah. flow you've the flow you bring to each song is unique right it's yeah. like okay I, you, I, you can hear it you but like yeah making this song its own thing but mm-hmm. then like just the three songs i've heard is these like connection between the three and i can't wait to uh listen to the whole album um <laughs> again it's always interesting talking to you because i'm learning new things and Thank you so much for coming to this sanctuary. Thank you. Thank you for making this album and for showing <laughs> that you know what, like if you're passionate about something, you should just go straight up and do it. That's- and for also, you know, inspiring me, like you know, if you really want to do it, you should take the hard road because I'm too lazy. <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, Israel. You know, gotta put yeah. that work in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, uh, General Ken. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>